Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the middle of the Mediterranean. I'm actually sitting on a boat together with my wife, and we have been caught up in a storm with huge swells in the water, bouncing back and forth all night long. Tonight, we're supposed to be on a boat, uh, or we are on a boat now, but tonight, the swells are supposed to rise up to something like 10, 12 feet high. And we're going to be out in the middle of the Mediterranean. <laughs> I'm used to it. Um, I spent about a year and a half of my life at least sitting on a ship going through heavy storms. My wife, not so much. She's been taking Dramamine and trying to get her, herself in a place where she's not so sick. And she's actually been a trooper. She's been able to take it quite well. We've been traveling around to different regions in the Mediterranean and – this morning, I wrote an article that I put on our Back to Jerusalem website. If you haven't seen it, you can go there now. But it's basically about the new genocide that we're seeing. It's not a new genocide, but it is one that now at least the world community is coming to terms with. And that is the increase of persecution of Christians. We're seeing a lot in China, as I've been saying for the last year and a half. The increase of persecution against Christians in China has reached completely new levels. It's been insane what we've been seeing inside of China with church closures and demolition and crosses being torn down and uh, raids taking place where mothers and children are being arrested and taken in into questioning. Even our own staff members have been arrested and tortured. We've even had individuals that have been approached by the police to get them to share information on the churches that they're working with. It has been the most intense offense that I have seen from the Chinese government in the entire time, in the entire 20 years that I've lived inside of China. It's been absolutely insane. But there is good news, and that is we have seen, uh, for instance, the Foreign Secretary of the United Nations, Jeremy Hunt, come out, and he has he has acknowledged that there is basic genocide that is taking place. Thank goodness that we have somebody like that in the UK stepping up, stepping out, and making a proclamation that is right there in front of our face. There's no debating it. There, there's no denying it. Nobody can say that persecution against Christians is not happening. It's not just happening Christians are the number one group in the world that is being targeted for persecution today, but it's not being mentioned. Why? Ah, uh, I believe the reason why has finally been stated by someone like Jeremy Hunt. Now, I don't know what side of the political spectrum you fall on when it comes to politics in the UK. I don't know where you fall when it comes to Britain's 
Brexit or how uh, Theresa May has been handling it or, or hasn't been handling it or whatever your political views are, put those to the side for a minute. I'm just happy that someone has the guts to stand up and say, you know what? Christians are being persecuted. And then he called out, why? Why hasn't it been reported? According to UK's Jeremy Hunt, the Foreign Secretary for the United Kingdom, said political correctness is to blame for the failure to confront the oppression of Christians, of what he called the forgotten persecution. Now, what is it about the political correctness that is keeping people from condemning something that we should all be a part of? God forbid that there is a bombing in uh, New Zealand that attacks a mosque. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. But look at the sadness. Look at the outrage. Look at the, the, the Christian community that came together with one single voice to condemn the attack and to protect and to stand and to make sure that innocent Muslims are not killed because of their belief. Why? Because Christians believe in freedom of religion. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm just going to throw that out there. Jesus gave us a choice. God has given us a choice. You're not forced by God himself to serve Jesus. You're not forced by Jesus himself. He could. He could very easily force us to serve him, and he chooses not to. If Jesus has chosen for to give you the freedom to uh, to serve who you will choose, who am I to say that you must serve Jesus? No. We make a compelling, I, I don't even want to say argument, because we're not arguing. We, we, we make a, we, we offer the truth and lay it on the table. And it's up to you to choose, choose, you choose who you will serve this day. This day, you choose who you and your family will serve for the rest of the days of your life. Not me. I can't make you serve anyone. If you choose to serve Allah, then you serve Allah. If you choose to serve Buddha, then you serve Buddha. But let me warn you, those roads end in disaster. Those roads end in death. History has proven itself over and over again. Those roads lead to disaster. I believe they do so on both sides of eternity. But on this side of the Jordan, here in this world that we live in now, in 2019, all of human history has shown that Buddhist nations suck to live in, as do Muslim nations. And nothing more so than communist nations that follow after atheism. Economically, I, I mean, I've, I've hashed this out so many times and laid out my argument so many times that many of you might be sick of hearing me say this over and over again. But let me say that there has been shocking new evidence found 
in a study that is that concludes that the persecution against Christians is worse today than ever before in the history of the church. And the persecution is not greater anywhere else than it is in communist and Muslim nations. Oh, Hindu and Buddhist nations also have their share of persecution against Christians, as we see in places like Sri Lanka, where a church was just blown up on Easter Sunday, mainly Buddhist, blown up by Muslims, yes, but the protection from Buddhist government officials are, is not there. You don't get it. You don't get it in Tibet. You don't get it in Nepal. You don't get it in Bhutan. You sure don't get it in India. And it's very clear that you don't get it in Sri Lanka either. But the shocking new evidence that is found concludes that persecution against Christians is worse today than it was last year. And it was worse last year than it was the year before. And it was worse the year before than it has been in the history of the church. And I happen to agree with Jeremy Hunt when he says that political correctness is to blame. Why? Because... I believe that Christians themselves, not not the world, I could understand if we were seeing opposition from the world. I could understand if it was just mainstream media that Christians were standing up against. But in many ways, Christians that are being persecuted are being forgotten by other Christians that are living in the West. And Christians that are living in the West are becoming an endangered species and they don't even know it. Christians that are living in the West are so freaking scared about being called Islamophobic, bigoted, homophobic, or as Mr. Hunt himself pointed out, colonialist, if they speak out against persecution. So if you speak out against persecution of Christians, it depends on the scenario, of course. It depends on where you're at, of course. I just saw a friend of mine on Facebook that posted a picture that was proud of a hair salon that said, if you are homophobic, if you are Nazi, if you are if show hatred, you do not, you are not welcome in this salon. She's a makeup artist that I graduated high school with. I have not seen her since we graduated. She was kind of in the art scene. I was in the work scene. Um, she was a part of um, the, uh, the, 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 the acting clubs. Um, I had a job. So I, I did not, you know, I did not get to play in the plays. I didn't get to participate in sports. I didn't want to. It wasn't my desire. I didn't have a desire to play basketball or football or tennis. I had an overwhelming desire to make money and to be uh, in in the workforce. And that's what I did. That was my hobby. That's what I liked doing. I liked sitting down with older people. I, I, I think that I was born out of my era in some ways. My wife and I are now on a cruise Everybody on this ship that we are on now is is well over the age of 70. So, I mean, the majority of the people here have been retired for some time. And this is kind of my crowd. These are the people that I hang out with. We go to bed early. We wake up early. We, you know, it's <laughs> there. There's there's so many common uh, things that they enjoy that I enjoy. And I love sitting down and talking with people from a different generation, from an older generation. And what they can teach me, what they can share with me is phenomenal. 
and my brain gets working and it has since I was in high school. And so I'm sitting there and I'm looking, you know, at the crowds that I chose to hang out with, the people that I chose to surround myself with when I was in high school. And then I look at her and, and I look at the statements that she makes on social media. And she posted this picture of a salon that does not welcome, you know, these people for good reason. I mean, who wants to allow bigoted, homophobes, hateful Nazis into your hair salon? I don't. I don't even have a salon. And if I did, I wouldn't want you in there, right? But that sounds fun. That sounds cool. That sounds, I can get on board with that. You know, I put my my fist up in the air fighting for the revolution, you know? If you don't, if, if you're a hateful person and you don't embrace the rainbow, you're not allowed into our hair salon. Okay. I get it. Fine. But what about the Christian baker that says, I love you, but I can't create something specifically for your wedding because I have a personal conviction that keeps me from doing so. I feel that if I do, if you want to buy anything in my store, here it is. It's for you. I welcome you, even though you might hate me and hate my guts and hate what I believe in and hate what I stand for. This is all here. You can take it, buy it, and I'll sell it to you. But if you're going to ask for me to be artistic... If you're going to ask for me to be creative, to muster up my creative resources from the bottom of my gut to the very depth of the being of who I am, to create something for your special day, then I'm going to have to step aside because I cannot pull out that creativity specifically for an event that I feel personally convicted in because of the Bible and what it teaches me and what it says to me and my interpretation, I cannot. Oh, now, who's no longer on board with the revolution? Who's no longer cool with the sign being in their, in, in, at, their, at their hair salon that says that they don't serve? Now, they can choose who they can't serve, and that's totally fine. There were people that there were there were hairstylists. There were uh, stylists that choose the clothing for for the first lady. That when Melania Trump becomes the first lady, they stopped working for the White House and said we cannot go against our conscience and serve in this manner in the White House any longer. Okay, there were individuals that boycotted the state of South Carolina and Indiana when they came out with rules about keeping men's bathrooms for men and women's bathrooms for women and dressing rooms. And so that you could keep children safe from males walking into the wrong restroom or the right restroom for them if they're predators. And so there were people that were worried about predatorial behavior. So they stepped to the side and when people say that I think that we cannot do this because of what we believe, they are immediately labeled as homophobic. Now, Christians have not wanted to be labeled as hateful, bigoted, homophobic. So they stay silent. And that's what Jeremy Hunt was saying.
Christians have stayed silent because they're scared of what the world thinks of them. They're scared that that they will be labeled as hateful. Nobody wants to be labeled hate, hateful. And then as Christians, we are in an environment that forces us to do an introspection, to look deep within inside of us to say, are we hateful? And the world has convinced the church that to be loving, you must be accepting. To be loving, you must protect and embrace and allow for Islam to flourish. You must protect and allow and embrace for homosexuality to flourish. You must protect and allow and embrace for all of these other religions and beliefs and ideas and ideologies to flourish. But for you, as a Christian, Keep your mouth shut, you stinking, nasty, stinky colonialist. We want to leave that behind. But as Christians, may I say to you, correct the wrong and go full force towards the right. See what God has said to us and don't back down. See what God has given to us. He's given Christians an amazing history. And as humans, we have indeed failed many times. In the Christian kingdom, we have a history of unspeakable racism. Unspeakable crimes against one another. We can look back through the tragic history of Christians and see where individuals have gone astray and committed acts of hate and violence in the name of Christ while carrying a cross. But those problems were not corrected by the world. They were corrected by Christians. It was Christians that led the way to keep those horrible ideologies from taking over. Christianity was not in any way put in a submissive position to be able to accept an ideology that was greater, more graceful, more loving than Christianity. It was Christianity itself that had a revolution from within because it is a continual crucifixion where we deny the flesh and copy after Christ. This study has shown that one of the reasons why Christian persecution is on the rise is because Christians themselves keep quiet. I said all of that. I went through that whole uh, uh, rendition of kind of what's happening in the UK and in the US and in Western Christianity as a whole in order to point out that the main problem with Christian persecution today is Christians themselves remaining silent. Those Christian brother and sisters that are facing continual persecution, uh, being slaughtered, being raped, being abused, being beaten, being thrown in jail, being hunted down by animals, have called out in their prayers to God himself. And it doesn't, it would not, I have to say, it would not surprise me if God 
had the answer already with us and he's moved with us in the West. And we were the ones that were silent. We were the ones that failed to act. That we had the power that God has given to us to rescue, to help, to just relieve the burden of our brothers and sisters in persecuted nations. We have been given tools, resources to lift that burden just a little bit. And we don't. Why? Because we're scared of being labeled. Our brothers and sisters are losing their children. Their wives and daughters are being raped. They're being treated like animals, hunted down like game. And we sit silently. There are two simple reasons that I point out that I believe that the reason why we see an increase of persecution, and I put this in our article, first in the West, we have the resources to do something, but we're not aware of the persecution. That's also a reason why. So it's not just that we believe that we don't want to be labeled as Islamophobic, bigoted, homophobic, or colonialist. But I do believe that there is a segment of the Western church that just isn't aware. They've been, they've been overwhelmed with information coming in on a regular basis about the elections, about Brexit, about the EU and its fight against Apple and Google and Facebook, about the elections that are going to be taking place in 2020 in the United States with Donald Trump and who knows who's going to be on the other side, about the Russian collusion that we've seen almost every single day if you're anywhere in the Western Hemisphere. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably well aware that persecution exists and you can't help. The study found that Christians are harassed in more countries than any other religious group and especially in predominantly Muslim countries and in the Middle East and Africa. In fact, where Christianity started in the Middle East, where it started is now becoming extinct. This report found that 245 million Christians now suffer high levels of persecution in 50 different countries. That's basically the entire population of the United States. That's an increase of 30 million Christians from the year before. In particular, Christians are being attacked by extremist groups in Syria, Iraq, Egypt, Northeastern Nigeria, Philippines, as well as India and my own home of China. Speaking in the Ethiopian capital, Addis Ababa, during his five-day tour of Africa, I'm going to go back to Mr. Hunt because he said so many amazing things that I do want to repeat. He is a committed Christian as far as I know, and he said this, I think we have all been asleep on watch when it comes to the persecution of Christians. Amen, Mr. Hunt. He continued to say, and I think... We have shied away from talking about this partly because of political correctness and we have avoided confronting this issue. I think there is misplaced worry that it is colonialist to talk about a religion that was associated with colonial powers. Dr. Mount Stephen, who prepared this report about the increase of persecution against Christians, surprisingly added this through my previous experience. I was aware of the terrible situation of persecution, but 
to be honest, in preparing for this report, I have been truly shocked by the severity, scale, and scope of the problem. So even people that have been studying and witnessing persecution and martyrdom of Christians for a very, very, very long time are still surprised when they look at the sheer volume that is coming at us now. It's almost every week we're seeing a new attack on a massive level. Nigeria is still having Christians killed, raped, and pillaged in their villages, and we haven't been talking about it so much at Back to Jerusalem just because it happens every single day. It's happening so often that we can't keep up. You know, we do live in China after all. We do focus on China. We have so much persecution there. Now, I believe that today, as I start on this message of increase in persecution, we might see the next 30 days to become the most intense, violent persecution against Christians of all of 2019. The persecution that I believe is about to come our way, I believe starts today, sadly, because today, as I'm doing this podcast, maybe not when you're hearing it, but while I'm doing the recording here in the Mediterranean, sadly, we are on the darkest day of the year when it comes to Christian persecution. May 5th, the beginning of Ramadan. Now, if you are not familiar with Ramadan, Ramadan is the time of fasting that starts around the world for the Muslims. They basically start and they, they, they follow a lunar calendar and it starts. It's the ninth month of the Muslim year during which fasting is observed from sunrise to sunset. So all throughout the day, while there is daylight, the Muslims will fast and they they do prayer during this time and they only eat in the evenings. Um, it is a time that is one of the first revelations. It is to commemorate the first revelation of the Quran to Muhammad, according to Islamic belief. And so it's, it is observed by every single Muslim around the world every single year. It's an annual observance. And it's regarded as one of the five pillars of Islam. There's five pillars in Islam, five things that you must do. And of the five pillars of Islam, Ramadan is one of the most important. It's the, the month lasts for about 29 to 30 days or this month of fasting. And it's based on the visual sightings of the crescent moon. You often see the crescent moon in flags that that are following after Islam. This was based on the moon God that you can find in Mecca. The moon God that the family of Muhammad uh, ran the shrine for prior to Islam. That, that right now you can actually you can um, you can look this up. There is a um, a God that the family lineage of Muhammad uh, took care of. People that did pilgrimages. pilgrimages is that a word? I think so. Um, to Mecca would come and give offerings. So when Muhammad said that there was only one God and that God was Allah and he began to persecute everybody that was not monotheistic, which was his own family, he was forced out of Mecca and into Medina and he was able to build up a, a tribe's 
warrior group that began to raid um, uh, unarmed caravans. And then they were able to build up wealth and continue to raid and maraud throughout the Middle East. Then they took over Mecca again. And the very religion that the family of Muhammad followed after was incorporated into Islam. And you can see that with this requirement to go back once a year um, to do the Hajj and to practice this Ramadan of fasting. There, it's a part of the five pillars. And the five pillars are faith, prayer, charity, fasting, and the pilgrimage, the Hajj. And so the fasting during the month of Ramadan, this is one of the five pillars. The word Ramadan, um, it comes from an Arabic root word that means scorching heat or dryness. And so this idea of being in a very diabolically heat ridden area of the world, Saudi Arabia, um, and fasting. So you're hungry. And you're hot. I can't think of anything that make you more angry than those two things. Being um, hungry and hot can make a person hangry. Right? We know that. Whenever I get angry, my wife usually tells me I'm hangry because I'm hungry. My, my hunger affects my attitude. And so when I'm fasting and I'm hot, I'm angry. If I'm not even purposefully fasting, I'm just hungry and hot. And so the word the word Ramadan comes from this scorching heat or dryness of the area that Muslims kind of branch out from while uh, starting off in Saudi Arabia. And it is during this time that fatwas are usually issued. Fatwas are these declarations that that Muslims are given oftentimes to go out and attack those that do not believe. It is during this time that uh, Muslims start to talk about jihad. And in the West, they'll say, this jihad, it means to crucify yourself, to, to combat the flesh. It's not a, it's, it's not a jihad. It's, this is a play on grammar so that you can infiltrate into Christian societies that know what you're saying is completely wrong. To kill people, to attack people for not being Muslim. To attack them and make them pay the jizya, which is a tax that is only imposed on non-believers. Jihad, fatwa, takes place during Ramadan. Ramadan starts today. Today is a time as the Muslims go into prayer and fasting, I believe that we Christians should join them. Christians should join together with Muslims around the world praying and fasting for the believers that are living in those countries that are Muslim because they will see an increase of persecution. You don't believe me? Go to Malaysia. Go to Dubai. Go to Saudi Arabia, Riyadh, go to Iran, and try to eat in the middle of the day and see what happens. Go try to find a restaurant in Dubai that will allow you to eat outside. 
that will not close their curtains so that nobody can see it. Go to Denny's. Here, here's a challenge for you. Go to Denny's in the middle of Dubai. You think Dubai is so modern? You think Dubai is so developed? You think Dubai is, it has, has brought Islam to a place where it is more socially acceptable? Go to Denny's in Dubai. What you will find is they have to close all the windows so that you can eat without outsiders seeing you because they can be offended. And if they are offended, then it is in their right to attack you. It's the way it goes. So if you do not want to be fined, if you do not want to be arrested, if you do not want to be closed down, if you don't want to be harassed, if you don't want to be persecuted, if you don't want to be attacked, then don't instigate. Don't break the laws of Islam while living in a Muslim country. That sentence that I just said can be considered to be extremely Islamophobic and very, um, can I say, actually not politically correct. Today, as we start off with the month of Islam, the 30 days of prayer and fasting that will go from now until June 4th, can I ask that everybody listening to this podcast remember our brothers and sisters who are living in areas and lands that are being persecuted, that are being attacked. Can we remember them? Can we support them? Can we stand beside them? Can we pray for them? Can we encourage our children to pray for them? Right now during the month of Ramadan, I haven't even told our office this. I'm going to say this right away. Right now during the month of Ramadan, I'm going to put our children's books on sale. At cost so that you can get them for your children. And we're going to make them available on our Back to Jerusalem application for free for the month of Ramadan. Because I believe that this kicks off the greatest persecution against Christians for the year 2019. And I would love for your children to know who those Christians are. And they can through our books. And we do it in a way that is sensitive to the imagination of children. We, we don't, we, we try to remove the graphics and yet leave the truth so that children are aware of what's taking place in closed countries around the world. So today, as I'm doing this podcast, I believe that if you can go onto the website, back to Jerusalem.com right now and get these books for your children, Get access to these books for your children. And if you're a gatekeeper, we're going to try to make them available to you for free. So that the the e-version, the e-version be available to you for free through the Back to Jerusalem application. If you don't have the Back to Jerusalem app, you can go go online right now and download it. You can go onto your Apple store or the Google Play store. Look up Back to Jerusalem app. You'll see one that's a prayer app. That's not us. Look for our logo. Our logo is the square, which is the Chinese word for Hui, which means to return back, to go back. It's also the word that's used for Islam, to return back through the Muslim nations back to Jerusalem. So we want to thank you for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Thank you for downloading our Back to Jerusalem app if you haven't already. And thank you for joining us in prayer during one of the most dangerous days of the year. God bless. God bless.